Bold and raw perspectives of local politics. Important information which impacts our community, nation, and world. Exposing truth, transparency, and getting to the heart of relevant issues that you just won't see in the clickbait media. And always keeping it real. It's the Michelle Tanner Podcast. But I won't back down. Welcome to the Michelle Tanner podcast. I am really excited about today's episode. In fact, I wish it was going to be longer than 40 minutes because I could talk to these guys all day long. But I'm going to introduce you guys here in a second. Most of you guys probably know them actually already because they both have had individual episodes prior to the primary election. So we have Paula Smith and Brad Bennett here who are both candidates for the St. George City Council race, which I wanted to just kind of do an overview because I think there's still some confusion about, well, wait, didn't we already have the election? What's going on? Why is the election later in November and not the normal time in November? So let me just break it down. So we had the primary election in September. The elections have been pushed back two weeks because of the Chris Stewart special election. So now the general election is not taking place until November 21st. So make sure, mark your calendars. If you're going to vote in person, November 21st, there's also usually early voting available the few days leading up to that too. Look it up online. It is all very accessible. But also here in Utah, like it or not, I don't love it, but we have the universal mail-in ballot. So you are going to be getting your ballots here soon. In fact, I think as soon as the 31st, I believe, of October, those ballots are going to be mailed out. So there's a time crunch. So the primary election took 16 candidates running for St. George City Council and narrowed that field down to the top six And Paula and Brad, obviously, were in that top six, which I am really excited about. And now we are actually down to five candidates because incumbent Greg MacArthur has officially withdrew his candidacy from the race. Now, he made a public statement regarding that. You can find that online. Uh, I do find the timing of it very interesting. His withdrawal came about a week or two too late for Wendy Bulkley to be moved into that sixth position. And so now what happens is it narrows the field down to not dilute the votes for the incumbents. Uh, Is that a strategy? Is that not? I'll leave that up to you to decide. I have heard some from very reliable sources, which I have tried to corroborate with the source, uh, but both Greg MacArthur and Mayor Randall have not responded to my question of if Greg MacArthur was indeed encouraged to withdraw from the race by Mayor Randall and others. So again, I'll leave that up to you to, to ask those questions and decide because they didn't want to answer that question for me. Kind of odd. So I found a few things interesting this last week. Mayor Randall has actually come out publicly and endorsed the other three candidates. So we have Danielle Larkin, Steve Kemp, and Jimmy Hughes. All three, and I'll show actually on the screen her post, which I thought it was kind of funny that she posted this, 
wanted the Randall gang fixing to raise taxes and liberalize our city. So she says on there, Jimmy Hughes actually is not on that photo, but she says below and actually posts a picture of Jimmy Hughes's sign, Danielle Larkin and Steve Kemp that are all in her yard. Now, I am really glad that the mayor came out and publicly endorsed these candidates. I mean, A, I think most of us knew that was who she was endorsing, but Keep in mind, this is the same mayor who eliminated public comment, the very fundamental right here in America to come express yourselves, address grievances to your elected representatives. She removed that from our public city council meetings at the beginning of the summer. I was the only one to oppose that, which still completely blows my mind. She went on the radio on the Andy Griffin show and reiterated that the council body majority agreed with her decision. I was not part of that council majority. And I don't believe Paula or Brad, had they been there, would have been part of that um, support as well. So, you know, it's not surprising that she's going to support candidates who she believes will go along with her agenda, right? This is also the same mayor, by the way, who often you'll see preach about kindness and civility. Yet, this is also the same mayor who called me a B-I-T-C-H, which, you know, we have the evidence right here. I actually find it kind of funny because she accidentally sent it to me. She sent a screenshot of my picture to someone, well, trying to send it to someone, but accidentally sent it to me. And then you can see underneath there, she's such a B-I-T-C-H. And then I responded back, thanks. I'll be sure to let people know you think that of me, finding it quite hilarious that she sent that to the wrong person. And then she responds and says, you can never keep your mouth shut. I don't understand. Well, she has that right. I'm never going to be silent. Silence in the face of tyranny is dangerous. That was actually my campaign slogan when I ran two years ago. And I've not deviated from that. Unlike other council members, unlike other elected representatives, I'm not going to deviate on those principles that I stand on. And that's what I see in both Brad and Paula. I've heard people say, oh, you know, it's just Michelle Tanner's cronies over there, right? Uh, Actually, the reason I support Brad and Paula so much is because they are independent thinkers. I know they're not the type to just go along to get along or to just do something because I told them to or because the mayor told them to. So I appreciate that so much in them. That is exactly what we need in our local representatives as people who truly represent we the people. Now, one other thing I wanted to bring up is there's been some vandalizing of signs going on. And this has happened. I believe this has happened to both the two of you. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. Yeah. So another uh, interesting post by Mayor Randall is she had posted about Danielle Larkin and her signs being vandalized. And not only that, not surprisingly, the Salt Lake Tribune posted an article about, you know, poor Danielle Larkin being targeted. And to be clear, I don't support vandalizing anyone's campaign signs, not even Danielle Larkin. I don't care across the board. I don't support 
vandalizing signs. It wasn't surprising, though, to see on cue the Salt Lake Tribune article coming out. Now, it's interesting because I've seen multiple people now saying that there was never a vote on St. George City Council regarding a drag show. So, I mean, I've got the minutes right here of the city council meeting we can pull up. It says right there, motion made by Tanner um, to uphold the denial of the permit of the Southern Utah Drag Stars event. It was seconded by Hughes. Danielle Larkin voted against that. Now, in that same meeting, you know, it was applied equally. There were three events who had violated an advertising ordinance here, but this was one of the votes. So it's really interesting to see, you know, right there, that vote took place, yet there's multiple articles, people in high places online saying this never took place. It's perplexing. Uh, I don't understand why people wouldn't want to own their positions. Uh, what really bothers me is when people are trying to hide some of their votes or their true colors, organizations they've donated to, they've gone through and scrubbed social media. Why try to hide those things? I mean, is that anything to me? You guys both come across as very much, hey, this is who we are. This is what we represent. I mean, is that something you guys would try to like scrub and hide who you really are? No, and it's exactly what I've been. I went public to the city council to request that they publicize their agenda and voting records and put those forward right online. Social media. We have a social media department. That's what they do. We pay them $600,000 a year. Why are they not publicized? Because now during election, so many people are asking, well, what is their voting record like? It's impossible to find. And that, I think, is by design. Yeah. And it would be so much, I agree with you, so much nicer to have it just very accessible, very transparent, because I will tell you the reason I got involved in politics in the first place, I never aspired to do this, but the silver lining of 2020 was it was a huge wake up call, I think, for a lot of us that the things we witnessed in 2020, the violation of our God given rights protected by this Constitution that were so clearly violated, that happened because of us, because of public apathy, allowing those representatives to get away with that. That should have never happened in the United States of America. And guess what? The incumbents right now running for re-election, they were in office in 2020. Where were their voices? I know that they were, at least a couple of them, were at the BLM rally holding signs, white silence equals black death, black lives matter. Uh, so I guess I did see at least a couple of their voices there at the, the BLM rally, which they're now kind of backtracking on. But I never heard anyone speak up about the masking of healthy elementary children, forced vaccine mandates. Where were their voices? Right. Shouldn't we have heard something from them if they were in office in 2020 as our representative? Well, you would think, but a lot of them feel that, hey, if it's not a vote that we have on the council, then we shouldn't have an opinion on it. You know, and I disagree with that. Yeah, if, if, which you've been a prime example of with, you know, combating cancel culture here in the community, right? Maybe you can share a little bit about 
what you experienced during that time and the lack of voice that we saw in our local representatives. Yeah, I mean, when you had Mayor Pike, who was pretty much on a mission to remove anything Dixie in the area, and that's really what was going on, um, and it was abundantly clear how the public felt about this. You know, there were many polls and surveys that showed, I mean, it was the vast majority of Southern Utahns were against this, and even the majority of Utahns were against it. And yet this, you know, agenda just continued on anyway. And ultimately, you had the legislators at the, at the state level, you know, remove Dixie from the name of the Dixie State University. So, um, yeah, we've we've had a, a longstanding problem of politicians not obeying and, and following what their constituents would like them to do. And, and that's really a problem. That's one of the main reasons that I'm running is to fix this. We yeah. just cannot continue down this path. I mean, if, if we're going to represent the constituents, then, then uh, that's what we need to do. And I don't understand why you would get in office and, and, and neglect your duty to do that. Yeah, I think being a voice, as you mentioned, and I know that's a big part of your platform, is so vital because, yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, that was a lot of what I was hearing during 2020, 2021 is I'd be calling all the different government agencies and they would all pass the buck. There was zero accountability. No one was willing to step up and say, this is not right. And we're going to do what we have to do to fix it, even if it's not under, say, your particular purview as a council member, you're still a representative. You're still a voice for the people. You can still be an advocate, right? Yeah. I think that that's your job, right? I mean, if you have five, only five council members and one mayor for a hundred thousand people, shouldn't all six of those people be advocating for what the majority want, provided that it's not violating any laws or the constitution? Right. Should, shouldn't we be advocating for everything that they feel that that we need in this community right and beyond we should be advocating for the community and beyond into the state and making our community a voice in the state yeah it can't just stop right there at the uh, council desk and 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 you can't silence the people that are trying to tell you that either i think that's critical yeah we have to listen as much as we speak or if not more than we speak exactly and i've appreciated about you too paula talking about the property taxes and the way they're structured and some of that does fall within the city council purview that's something that we vote on when it comes to truth and taxation when it comes to saint george's portion of the property tax but you've even you know looked and advocated beyond that with with trying to work with state legislators. So that's something I really appreciate about you. Maybe you want to touch on that a little bit too. It's been something I've worked on for over 10 years, and that is just to try to fix our property tax system. Most of the representatives want to leave it as is. They feel like it works and it just needs to be corrected, but they don't really want to give an example of how that's going to be corrected, if not change. And I don't know that it needs a complete change. And I don't have an exact answer to what that is. But I think it's something that we need to talk about. Having a tax, a property tax raise 18 to 20% in one year, you, that's not sustainable. How are our, our seniors make a bulk of the population? And how are they supposed to afford this? They're retired. Right. Their, their income is fixed. And, and now they're getting who knows how much the following year. You, it, it needs to be addressed in a, a cap of some sort so we know. 
Yeah. And for me, that really comes down when we're talking about taxation, because that's force, right? When you're taking money from someone by force, because you're saying, if you don't pay this, which contributes to XYZ PDQ, then you can actually lose your life, liberty, or property potentially, right? So I take that very seriously. It's a moral obligation to make sure that those tax dollars that are being taken by force are used for the proper role of government. And so maybe let's hit on the budget because that's a big topic that's under the purview of the city council. We are ultimately the ones who approve a budget. What do you two see as the top budget priorities? And then we'll even get into some of the geo bond because we've all been getting a lot of questions about that because that's on the ballot for voters to decide on. So maybe let's start Brad and then Paula talk about the, your priorities for the budget and your philosophy on that. Yeah. So you know, our budget is huge. It's $520 million. So, you know, over a half a billion dollars for 100,000 people is it's actually, it's a difficult thing uh, to find another city that actually has a budget that big with this amount of population. So I absolutely want to find out the efficiency level of the current budget. I, I do feel that there are some priorities that are probably uh, weighted incorrectly. And so I want a third-party analysis of the full efficiency of the budget. I want to prove that to the public so they know exactly how our money is being spent. And then I want to look and see if we're underfunding any of the essential services like uh, police and fire and, and infrastructure. And then I want to see how much we have left over for things that would be considered wants. And, and then I want to look and see how that's, if that's in alignment with what the majority of our community wants, you know, if, there's, if those are prioritized correctly, because yeah. we just cannot continue to raise taxes every time we turn around. And we know that they tried to do this. So they've backtracked a little bit saying they're not going to do that next year, but they've already tried to do it. Right. So, you know, I am not an advocate for raising taxes. Which, I, I by think we the have way, to live within our means. by the way, back to the mayor and the three candidates she's endorsed, this is also the same mayor who did try to raise taxes last year and actually said, we will not be able to give public safety their needed raises and needed equipment if we do not raise taxes. That's the only option. And then when the public showed up, I think you guys right. were there. I know yep, you guys we were, were there. there. When we voted that down and came up with that shortage of two to three million pretty much immediately right. within the budget. And now we're in year two that's been fully funded of that five-year public safety plan. And then some, by the way, we've actually more than funded up to this point without raising your taxes. Now the mayor's coming out and endorsing these candidates. I can only assume that she would believe these candidates would also go along with that. That's exactly why she's endorsing them. Yeah, but that, we're not going to vote to raise your taxes. Uh, the only way that could ever happen is, like I said, if the analysis was done and everything was perfect, which we know is just improbable. Yeah, and I, I want to point out as well that you're talking about a audit of efficiency yes. because the opposition will say a lot of times, 
oh, we already totally audit the budget, which is true. You have to audit to make sure you're in compliance with state law. You have to, by state law, have a balanced budget. So that is true. There is an audit that takes place. But I like your point of that efficiency. Yeah. So that they audit for compliance. Right. But they do not do any kind of audit or analysis to a deep analysis to see the actual efficiency. It's long overdue. And they also like to touch, when we bring up the $520 million budget, they like to throw back in our face, oh, those are buzzwords and whatnot. Well, and then they suggest we need to look specifically at the general fund. Okay, let's do that. In 2019, which coincidentally is when they were elected, it was 49% lower. I can't remember the exact, I think it was like 79,000 and now the general fund is 109, something like that. Anyway, our population has increased 11%, but that general fund has gone up 49%. So if you want to look at just the the general fund, then, then do that because it's still increasing, far outpacing actual population growth. Yeah, that was one of my comments as well when we were going through the truth and taxation processes. I said, how could I in good conscience vote to increase taxes, which is again, force. We're not talking voluntary. We're talking force when we have over here just that last year, a 34% increase in parks and recreation. Now we all love parks and recreation. Nobody's debating that. In fact, we had a, a geo bond hearing this last week and we can touch on that. And whether people were for or against the bond, it was pretty universal that we all value our quality of life. We can all appreciate parks and trails and recreation. Where the difference is, is that philosophy is, do we fund these things by force or is it voluntary? Is there a combination in some way? So that's really what it boils down to. So, you know, when we were looking at raising taxes, seeing Parks and Rec increased 34%, yet we're saying that we can't fund our most proper role of government, which is to protect life, liberty, and property, which is exactly what our law enforcement, our first responders do. Shouldn't that be line item number one? What do you guys think? Yeah, I yeah, agree. I think it's a no-brainer. It absolutely should be line item number one. So that's, that's, that's what's concerning to me, is why are we talking about more money for the, for the first responders when that's the one thing that we actually shouldn't be worried about as far as money goes. Because if that's the first thing that gets paid out of that huge budget, everything else is, is extra after that. And that, that shouldn't even be a question of whether or not they have their money. It should be automatic. Right. So why are we not, why are we not budgeting what they need? And, and my understanding is they've been underfunded uh, for a, bit, a while. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you, you know, being on this side of it now for almost two years, one of the very first budget meetings I ever sat in, of course, being totally new to government, I remember sitting there thinking, you know, and they're doing a slideshow presentation and I'm like, why am I in a marketing sales pitch meeting? Like, shouldn't this be where we're all discussing, okay, what do our residents want? What's the proper role of government? But instead it was this, this sales pitch going on. And so, you know, that's not to say we don't have a lot of amazing people at, that work at the city of St. George. I actually, you know, most of them are absolutely phenomenal. 
I think this philosophy, though, is really important to bring up because especially with the geo bond, which we'll hit on, one thing I've really appreciated about you guys is you've seemed to approach this more as, hey, let's educate Mm -hmm. the public and allow them to weigh pros and cons because it's on the ballot for the voters to decide on. We're not actually deciding other than our individual vote we can make on our ballot versus a stance that some of the others have taken as promoting it as this sales pitch, this marketing, it's all sunshine and rainbows and cons. There are no cons. What are you talking about? Right? So maybe let's touch on the geo bond. I think that's been my greatest source of frustration is the advertising for the bonds only highlighting the positives and the pros. Now that should be highlighted and, 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 and shown to the public, but they seem to not be showing the other side of it at all. And that's giving me concern and it's causing me to ask questions for financial security. For one thing, we don't have to do this bond this year. It's convenient because they can sell it as it's not going to raise your taxes because we're already used to paying it. But the payment that we're making, the $1.85 million, is the very final payment that we made on the bond that expired on the 90s. So we've only made that one payment, which was our highest and final, one time. So we're taking the one time we made it during an all-time property values have never been higher. Revenues were looking good. The budget already states that revenues are projected to decline. In the September 28th meeting, they illustrated that it has been flat. So the likelihood of the revenues declining is very high. Economic volatility is on the horizon. Just open the news. I mean, it's it's going to happen. Yeah. So if we're taking a payment that we've only made one time and we're going to carry that payment across 25 years, why do we have to do it today? Why can't we pause for a minute or why shouldn't we pause for a minute and decide where are we going to be at with public safety? Because in the same tw- uh, 928 meeting, they indicated, oh, public safety is being funded out of our savings account. Well, if that's true, why was this bond not addressed for public safety rather than parks? Are we again putting public safety down the list instead of on top? And those are my questions. Now, if the voters see both sides and understand the financial um, concerns that can very well increase your taxes as a result of declining revenues and in, in this high payment, if they choose to pass it, I'm in full support, but I just feel like they're not getting the other side. Yeah, I think that that transparency is really important when it comes to the geo bond and weighing those, you know, as you mentioned, those risks versus benefits, because I will reiterate, you know, I've been in those council meetings and they have told us that sales tax revenues are actually down the last couple of months and the city is actually tightening its belt. We're not funding some things that actually were in the budget as Mm -hmm. planned because It is uncertain. You know, I just did an episode last week about some of the economic uncertainty that we're likely to face. And so that's something definitely I agree that needs to be weighed. I put out a a question actually on my social media. I did a poll on my stories and it was interesting, which granted, I'm not going to uh, say this is a, some type of a mass poll that can be uh, weighed on a large scale because it's the people who follow me that are responding to this poll. But I just simply put it, do you believe government should borrow money to fund parks and trails? Because that's essentially what this geo bond 
is, and as you mentioned in full transparency, originally this bond, that percentage was supposed to be used toward public safety. And then it was changed and, you know, now is going to go towards some some projects for parks, trails, and recreation. So I, I do, I agree with you. I think that's all important information for the voters to know. What are your thoughts, Brad? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that it is the role of a city council person to be, you know, a salesperson for a tax or a bond, you know, to me, those things have to stand on their own merit. So I will offer full transparency, pros and cons, and empower the citizen to make their own choice. Because it's their money and it's their choice, but they do need to know the pros and the cons, every everything about it. And so, if we're gonna put more weight on on one side than the other, that's that's to me that's uh, dishonest. Yeah, and I did ask that question actually um, not too long ago. Of okay, I know there's this big push for this bond this year because the previous bond is expiring. And so essentially just rolling over into a new bond stays revenue neutral, right? There's no noticeable increase because it's just staying the same. So I can see where that's a, a desirable thing to say, hey, it's not raising taxes, right? But I did ask, okay, well, if we don't do this this year and taxes are able to decrease and then say next year we decide, hey, you know, we've just got all of these projects that, you know, parks are being run down. We need to revitalize because I do truly believe that we need to maintain, especially our current infrastructure, our 51 yeah. parks right. that we currently have. And, you know, miles and miles of trails that we currently have that we all love. I mean, it's, it's a great asset. I don't yeah. think anyone's going to deny uh, what that brings to a community, certainly, but then it just falls into, okay, is the time now or can we look at this next year? And we can. We could always look at this next year. So, you know, it's interesting that right now is the push. Right. And why not set up that $1.85 million off to the side and utilize that payment as the parks for maintenance each year? And then if we have a hard year, we're we're not obligated to pay, make that payment. Maybe we would just do less that year. But if we pay as we go, that's a huge payment. What could we do with 1.85? We still have wrap tax, which is bringing in $3 million. And the budget sets up for about $18 million for parks and services. And impact fees for every new home bill is 4500 that goes to parks. So we are getting money for parks I just don't know that we need to spend $18 million in interest to achieve instant gratification when if we just set aside $1.85 million, I think it was like 15 years that we would achieve the $29 million bond without paying the $18 million in interest. That's an interesting point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right? You either yeah. you either pay the interest and have it now or you, or you don't. And, um you know, there's no right or wrong answer to that because it's again, it's it's priority based, right? Right. If it's a high priority to the community to have all that now. Then again, it's their money, and and they should have the right to say. And I'm glad it's on the ballot. Well, and, and for I, that reason, and I'm glad that you brought up the um, alternate funding sources that we do currently use also for parks and trails because there has been a narrative pushed out there. Um, by a group that essentially, and it's fear mongering of if this doesn't pass, then, you know, all funding to parks are going to be cut. And it's like, no, actually, no, it's not. not. There's still, like you mentioned, the impact fees, the wrap tax, there's still, you know, a portion of the general fund that does go to, you know, 
help and revitalize these things, which again, I've actually remained very neutral on this. I, I did vote to put it on the ballot because yeah. I think this is something the voters can decide. But fundamentally, it does come down to that philosophy and principle of do you believe government should be borrowing money? Because it is borrowing money. That's what a, a bond is. Granted, it can be a smart way to borrow money if you do need to borrow. Um, but do you believe government should be borrowing money for parks and trails in these projects? I think it can be necessary to get a bond. I'm not convinced that it's necessary in this moment. Maybe next year we'll decide oh, it's necessary. But my focus still stays on public safety because I'm more concerned with that. And I'd like to get through the budget of next year and see where we are with public safety because a bond might be necessary. Yeah. And now we're overextending ourselves because we took we can't change the bond once it's approved. We're going to be stuck. We'd have to get yet another bond. So I just feel like maybe we should pause for a second. I mean, if that's not what the voters want, then I'm all in total support of it. But these are just my cautionary questions. That is what I do. I ask questions, pros and cons, both sides of it. And right. it's how I Which, operate my business. As a formal or former financial auditor, yeah. I can really appreciate that. And both of you as small business owners, Brad, with multiple small businesses, you know, I can really appreciate that expertise you're going to bring to the table. Someone actually asked me recently, well, you know, what about this prior bond? It was so amazing. You know, don't you agree with everything in the prior bond? And I said, I agree with some of the things that funded for sure, but there's others that have been absolutely terrible for the city long term. And, and one of those that I'll bring up, and this might not be very popular, um, but the Sand Hollow Aquatic Center, I'm on the board over there. That facility, and again, I'm not saying that there's not benefits to having these community assets. Um, I think it comes down to the philosophy of how you fund it, however, because it hemorrhages hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And anytime we're doing something like that in government that could be done in the private sector, we have to really be wise of how we are managing those funds. Um, you know, again, there's great people over there who, you know, work in that department. This isn't a slam on any of them. It's just Government, I've heard Brad say this actually, government and efficiency. Do they really ever belong in the same <laughs> sentence, right? Usually not, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have a constitutional obligation to fund public safety first. Yeah. All right. That's that's one thing where you don't actually need the community's input because we're obligated to do that. Right. So, you know, yeah, that ha those needs absolutely have to be met first. Yeah. And I think we really undervalue the amazing people we have here as far as with volunteerism and charity, you know, I think people think, oh, we have to have all of these, these city things because, you know, what about the lower income that, that can't afford a membership to summit? They need to be able to go to the aquatic center for free. But I look at even my son's private football league, which, you know, we pay a, a good chunk of change to have him do that. But guess what? We can also donate money that helps those other kids whose parents can't afford it. And to my knowledge, no child has ever been turned away from that private league because other people have stepped up that have more 
and they've covered that. And I think that's really undervalued in society, that idea that we really will take care of each other. Government doesn't have to come to the rescue all the time. And the same is true with parks. We can have more sponsors and, and, and local companies that want to do donations. So I don't think it's going to come to a point where our parks are ravaged and, you know, on right. the brink of disaster. I just don't ever see that as being a possible outcome with or without the bond. Yeah. I've had multiple people contact me and say, how can I volunteer? Mm -hmm. What can I do? Can I adopt a park? Mm -hmm. So I do. I think this community is absolutely amazing. We have the best people here. That's why I think we're all doing this, why we're even putting ourselves in this crazy position, being in the public eye and putting ourselves out there is because We truly care about the future of this community. And maybe we can each um, take a couple of minutes as we're, you know, winding down with this episode and just talk about why you're running, why people should vote for you and where they can get more information. So uh, I like you, this wasn't part of the grand plan. And it just started with the property taxes when I was uh, fighting against it last year to stop it. I started to review the budget and I just, you know, and it's not to say that they were doing it wrong or anybody could do it better. That's not what I was saying. I was just noticing many areas that were potentially unnecessary or wasteful spending. And it just sort of brought to light um, what's been going on and, and the narrative and the direction that we're going. It seems to me to be more closed rather than open to the public and in and, and, and inviting the public and the mayor shutting down the comments is a great example. We need to be listening. We need to be hearing. We need to be transparent. We need to be showing that budget. They talk a lot about we make a, a million dollars on, on this event, but they don't mention the million dollars that they spend on that same event. So that's that's not a profit. And I think things like that need to be a lot more clear so that the public understands where we're making our money, what is positive and what is not, and and let them make the decision on how to proceed in the direction rather than the select few making those those decisions. Yeah, because if I'm hearing you correctly, I don't think you're saying we shouldn't have a marathon. I think what you're saying is let's have a full transparent spreadsheet of you know, the true P&L, right? The profit and yes. loss of that event. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Let's look and see where it goes and, and, and how can we improve? It's not like, oh, this didn't make money. Shut it down. That's not what I'm saying. Do it better. If you're going to take the role of running a business, run it and figure out what makes money. Oh, I see we're here. We're profiting a lot more on this section. Let's put our, you know, allocate our resources to that to to grow that. It just you can't just go haphazardly and and not understand where the revenues are coming and where the losses are and fix them. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say to shut them down. It's just to let's get it right so we're not subsidizing the taxpayer. So, but you can find uh, more information on my stances and views on my website, paulasmithcitycouncil.com. And feel free to reach out if you have questions. And I love all of your blog posts on there. She actually has one that's really informative about the geo bond. So, yeah, definitely check out her website. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And and thank you for that. Um, We just need a government that's more pro-citizen, that's more pro-small business. You know, um, I don't feel like that there's a whole lot of trust right now in our local government from the citizens. I mean, I talked to thousands of them, and 
you know, it's really at an all-time low. And I think that's why we had such a large candidate list this go-round. And so we need to get back to establishing trust with the with the community. And you're going to do that by more engagement, right, um, by making their voices be heard, by offering a lot more transparency than we've done in the past. Um, they, they need to feel appreciated and valued. And we need to remove a lot of red tape for our local businesses. You know, they generate a big portion of our income. Well, we get a lot of sales tax from these individuals. They're keeping our taxes low. They're employing our citizens. They need all the help they can get. And so um, I, I want to be a government that clearly loves its citizens, right? And, and is working for the betterment of our, of, of our quality of life in St. George for everyone. And we just, we've gotten away from that. At least it feels that way. Why on earth would I stifle your ability to speak, you know, and air out your grievances or offer your suggestions? That just makes literally no sense to me. Yeah. Um, You guys are the Liberty candidates. That's what I truly feel. If if you believe in Liberty, Paula and Brad are your candidates. And what was your website, Brad? It's uh, electbradbennett.com. Awesome. And yeah, your website is also very comprehensive, lots of information on there. So again, you got three open seats on the city council. You do not have to vote for three. Paula Smith, Brad Bennett, those are our two Liberty candidates. So reach out to these guys. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being a part of the Michelle Tanner podcast. Please like, follow, subscribe, and share. And always remember to keep exposing truth. But I won't back down. No, I won't back down. This has been a production from a podcast studio.